Welcome to the end of rotation exam review. I'm Lenny C, PAS, and I'm going to give you three high-yield case vignettes so that you can ace your EOR exams. Today, we'll be discussing pediatric dermatology. We'll be covering topics from rubiola to scarlet fever to tinea capitis. Without further ado, here's your first question. A two-year-old boy presents with a three-day history of rhinorrhea, conjunctivitis, barky cough, and a fever of 102 degrees. On physical exam, you appreciate cervical lymphadenopathy, an erythematous throat, most likely from the cough. And while you're inspecting the mouth, you see a number of one to three millimeter white and gray elevations in the back of the cheek. Otherwise, he has normal heart sounds and breath sounds. This presentation is most consistent with A. Roseola B. Rubiola C. Rubella or D. Streptococcal pharyngitis The correct answer is B. Rubiola aka measles Pathognomonic for rubiola or measles is the three C's or some say four. That includes cough, coryza, which is runny nose or rhinitis, and conjunctivitis. The fourth would be coplic spots, but it starts with a K. And along with the four C's, you get the usual prodromal fever and erythematous macupapular rash that appears two to four days after onset of fever. If you picked C, rubella, I could see why, since it also has a rash and nonspecific URI symptoms, but it does not have coplic spots. Rubella is also known as German measles. It also presents with a maculopapular rash and prodromal symptoms, but characteristically it has posterior cervical, post-auricular, and suboccipital lymphadenopathy. Like rubiola, the rash starts on the face and spreads to the trunk. If you picked A, roseola, I could also see why since there's a rash in all three of these darn diseases that start with an R. But, Roseola is characterized by, the, by a prodrome of high fever that typically includes febrile seizures. But once the rash appears, the fever is usually gone. The rash starts on the trunk and it spreads to the face and extremities. And I remember this because roseola starts with an R-O and the O reminds me that the rash starts on the body, like an O. Rubiella and rubiola do not start with an R-O, so the rash doesn't start on the trunk. Just a tip. If a child presents to your ER with a chief complaint of seizure, but you see that he has a prodromal fever, you always want to control the fever, so you give Tylenol. But if there is no fever, then you'll need to get a lumbar puncture or LP to rule out bacterial causes. If you pick D, streptococcal pharyngitis, you totally disregarded the 1-3 to three white and gray elevations in the mouth. Strep pharyngitis is caused by group A strep and presents with fever exudative and erythematous tonsils, and tender anterior cervical lymph nodes. But if you've ever had it, you know how painful your throat can get, which leads to swallowing difficulty and even poor PO intake. Pathognomonic is perioral pallor with streptococcal pharyngitis. You may have thought those one to three white and gray elevations were exudative tonsils, but usually the question will specify the white exudates are on the tonsils.
Your next question. A five-year-old boy presents with a two-day history of fever and runny nose. His father states that he woke up this morning with rosy cheeks, and sure enough, he's sitting on your exam table with rosy cheeks. Physical exam reveals a light reticular rash over the extensor surfaces. Which is the most likely diagnosis? A. Scarlet fever. B. Erythema infectiosum. C. Varicella. Or D. Epstein-Barr virus. The correct answer is B, erythema infectiosum. This is a classic presentation of Fitz disease. It's caused by parvovirus B19, and you'll see a child with nonspecific prodromal symptoms with a malar rash, or rash on a cheek, with circumoral pallor, aka slap cheek rash. It can also present with some arthralgias or arthritis and is typically managed by supportive care as it is a self-limited disease. However, we worry if a pregnant woman becomes infected with parvovirus B19 because it causes fetal loss or hydrops fatalis. If you picked A, scarlet fever, you got the prodrome symptoms right, but the rash that comes along with it covers the folds, aka the neck, the axillae, inguinal, antecubital areas before it spreads to the rest of the body. It often presents with petechial lines in the antecubital fossae known as passia lines. And if you run your fingers along the rash, it feels sandpapery, also another pathognomonic keyword. Scarlet fever is a complication of untreated strep pharyngitis and is a delayed type skin reaction. If you picked C, varicella, you probably didn't get the chicken pox as a child because you would know that the chicken pox is a rash and it's a generalized vesicular rash with a mix of crusted papules and vesicles on an erythematous base. Shingles is a reactivation of latent varicella zoster virus that presents with a unilateral vesicular eruption in one or two, which is less likely, dermatomal distributions that does not cross midline. If you pick D, Epstein-Barr virus, you probably guessed, and you didn't know that EVV causes infectious mononucleosis. You'll get the fever, tonsil exudate, and nonspecific URI symptoms. However, you'll know it's EBV and not strep throat because it'll present with splenomegaly. You'll confirm the diagnosis with the monospot test, and you'll give a school note to refrain from all sports activities during active illness to avoid splenic rupture. Last question. A six-year-old boy presents with a fever for the past week. His mother states that over the course of the week, he has been getting worse. You take a look at the boy and he doesn't look very good. He has a 38.5 Celsius fever, bilateral conjunctival injection, a macular erythematous rash on his abdomen and arms, and a beefy red tongue. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? A. Herpes simplex 1. B. Hand, foot, and mouth disease. C. Tinea capitis. Or D. Kawasaki disease. The correct answer is D. Kawasaki disease. It is a vasculitis that affects medium-sized vessels. You can remember the symptoms with the acronym Feel My Conjunctivitis. 
F stands for fever of greater than five days. So in this case, the boy presented with a fever for the past week. E for exanthem, which is going to be polymorphous, or red tiny bumps or slightly raised patches of skin. Another E for extremity changes. That's edema, desquamation of fingertips, and reddening of the palms and soles. L, lymph adenopathy, which is going to be non-purulent and you'll have a greater than 1.5 cm lymph nodes. My, for mucocutaneous changes. You'll see red lips and a strawberry tongue, and you'll have bilateral conjunctival congestion and non-purulent conjunctivitis. Just FYI, there's only one other disease with a strawberry tongue, which is scarlet fever. And conjunctivitis, bilateral non-exudative non conjunctivitis in greater than 90% of all patients, like I had mentioned. So the acronym is Feel My Conjunctivitis. F for fever, E for exanthem, E for extremity changes, L for lymph adenopathy, MI for mucocutaneous changes, and conjunctivitis, feel my conjunctivitis. Treatment is initiated with intravenous immune globulin, IVIG therapy, and high-dose aspirin. Children with Kawasaki's disease need a complete cardiac evaluation for MI, coronary artery aneurysm, heart disease, and we typically do that with echoes. If you picked A, herpes simplex 1, you're close with the tongue involvement, but HSV1 causes herpes labialis and presents with painful lesions in the mouth that cause a significant decrease in PO intake in kids. So your patient will have a temperature and numerous small vesicles and ulcers on the buccal mucosa and tongue. You also feel anterior cervical adenopathy. If you pick B, hand, foot, and mouth disease, there's some mouth involvement, but I mean, not really any hand or foot involvement in the case. Coxsackie virus causes hand, foot, and mouth disease. And these patients will present with an oral ananthem, mostly on the tongue or buccal mucosa, which causes poor PO intake in young kids. And they also present with an exanthem that will be a mix of macular, maculopapular, or vesicular lesions, primarily on the hands, feet, buttocks, legs, and arms. So a few years ago, there was an outbreak of hand, foot, and mouth disease in adults in my area, and I caught it. And man, these, these lesions hurt. I had mainly papular lesions on the ventral surfaces of my fingers that eventually became confluent papules, and they covered my entire finger, and then they eventually desquamated like a snake shedding its skin. And I remember going to a clinic getting checked out, and the medical student on rotations came in the room and saw me, and his eyebrows just went up, and then he just left the room. Crazy stuff. If you pick C, tinea capitis, you must have read a different question because tinea capitis is a fungal infection on the scalp and doesn't present anything like the case. The patient will complain of hair loss and on closer examination, you'll read in the question, patches of alopecia with black dots or scaly patches with alopecia with this pathognomonic for tinea capitis. To diagnose, you'll do a scraping and a KOH prep and you'll see hyphae. Treat it with oral grizzlefolvin, not topical, and make sure you educate them to take it with a high-fat meal like ice cream or milk to increase absorption. Just FYI, tinea pedis, which is on the foot, tinea capitis, which is on the head, and extensive tinea corporis will require PO 
antifungals, so oral antifungals. The only time you use topical antifungals is in limited tinea corporis or limited tinea pedis. That's all for this episode. I hope that you found this helpful or at least a good refresher on peds dermatology. And I actually started this episode or podcast because I wanted to listen to questions and answers on my order rotations and uh, while I was driving. So I hope that as you listen to this podcast and uh, share it with your other friends and classmates, it's a good refresher and it challenges you to be a better student and hopefully it'll help you on your rotations. Now onward to your rotation and remember, be great and you can make a difference in your patient's life. Thanks for listening to the end of rotation exam review.